Taiwan was hailed as a bright spot for democracy on the CNN program Fareed Zakaria GPS. Zakaria said that over the past five years, more countries have abandoned democracy than embraced it. But he said there was one bright spot in the world, Taiwan. We turn to him now. Amidst all this backsliding, there is one bright spot, Taiwan. Taiwan's score is largely driven by its election in January 2020. Turnout was an astonishing 75%, and in contrast to another 2020 election, Taiwan's election's loser graciously and quickly conceded, calling for unity. The success of this election is a testament to the strength of Taiwan's democracy. Sakaria said that in Economist Intelligence Unit's 2020 Democracy Index, Taiwan ranked number 11 in the world and number one in Asia. He also noted Taiwan's internet freedom. According to Freedom House's 2021 Freedom on the Net report, Taiwan has the world's fifth uh, freest internet, freer than that of the U.S. and Germany. The 76th session of the United Nations General Assembly has come to a conclusion in New York. During the six-day session, 13 of Taiwan's 15 official allies called on the U.N. to include Taiwan. That's the strongest support seen at the General Assembly in the past four years. The pro-independence Taiwan United Nations Alliance thanked these countries for backing the island. The group also said Taiwan should seek to join global organizations under its own name. The 76th United Nations General Assembly has come to an end. On the final day, Nicaragua became the last of Taiwan's official allies to speak in the island's defense. Given this pandemic, it becomes absolutely vital for humanitarian reasons to implement the universal principle so that Taiwan may participate in mechanisms and meetings of the United Nations system. At the general debate of the 2021 UN General Assembly, 13 of Taiwan's 15 allies called for the island's inclusion. That's the most support seen since 2017. We would like to highlight the Republic of China, Taiwan's leadership in the global response against COVID-19. Their leadership has also extended to Palau. Taiwan's international response facilitated cooperation and implementation of an effective sterile travel corridor between Taiwan and Palau. We encourage the UN system to accept Taiwan as a valuable contributor to our collective efforts and strongly advocate for Taiwan's participation in the UN system. There is absolutely nothing in General Assembly Resolution 2758 which prevents this inclusive approach, and this resolution affords nothing to hide behind. As it expresses no position on Taiwan, the shameful silence must end. Since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, Taiwan is in solidarity with the UN member states made a significant contribution in realizing the theme of this year's session. The Kingdom of Eswatini can attest to the fact that Taiwan is an indispensable partner and would, if given an opportunity, play a meaningful role in the global body. Japan, which does not have formal relations with Taiwan, voiced its support in an oblique reference. This experience has taught us that there shouldn't be geographical blank spaces when we deal with global health issues. What's important is that all countries and regions should be able to immediately and widely share relevant information and knowledge in a free and transparent fashion. There were a great many official allies and even non-official allies that spoke up for us. 
The pro-independence Taiwan United Nations Alliance said that Taiwan's global profile was expanding, not only because of its outstanding COVID campaign, but also because China's wolf warrior tactics had alienated the world. The alliance said that aggressive Beijing and the pandering KMT are only drifting farther away from Taiwan's public opinion. The US, Japan, the UK, Canada, Australia and all these small countries including Lithuania, they all respect Taiwan. Why doesn't the KMT learn the lesson here? Let's use Taiwan's name as we pursue membership in global organizations. The alliance said Taiwan should join international organizations and competitions under the name Taiwan to boost the nation's visibility on the global stage. The roar of warplanes tearing across the sky could be heard in Taipei starting at 6 in the morning. The defense ministry put out a notice saying that this was a rehearsal for the National Day flyover on October 10th. The military said that 29 fast and slow aircraft passed over the presidential office on Tuesday. The list included indigenous defense fighters, the Mirage 2000, F-16V, and the AT-3 jet trainers piloted by the Thunder Tiger aerobatics team. If you're a resident of Taipei, heads up. There will be three more rehearsals in the lead-up to National Day. The rehearsals are scheduled for early morning on September 30th and October 5th, as well as 1 p.m. on October 7th. Turning to the vac uh, vaccination campaign, so far nearly 54% of Taiwan's population has received one shot of a COVID vaccine. Now more second doses are going out to people aged 70 and up who are waiting for Moderna. In Taipei, people in this demographic will need to log in to the city's own online platform to make a vaccine appointment. A long line stretches out of the Sanchong vaccination site. They're all here for their second shot of Moderna. This round of vaccination targets people 70 and older who need their second dose. They're happy to show off their vaccination card after getting that long-awaited shot. Moderna vaccination started on Tuesday in New Taipei, targeting a list of recipients drawn up by the local government. In neighboring Taipei City, Moderna will be administered only to people who book an appointment online. Early Tuesday morning, this Taipei borough office was filled with people needing help with booking online. The city launched its own booking system at 9 in the morning. Within 15 minutes, 24,000 people had booked their second Moderna vaccine. We are very fortunate to be able to get Moderna. I'd be very upset if I didn't get my second shot. After this current round of vaccination, Taiwan will move on to round 10, which will offer second shots of Medigen and AstraZeneca. Waitlist registration is now open, and vaccine administration will begin on October 6. If you haven't signed up for the waitlist yet, you should do so before midday tomorrow. The CCC said it may have to adjust its vaccination plan for Pfizer due to a delay in shipments. Regarding the Pfizer vaccines, we'll decide what to do when a shipment arrives. We could potentially administer some to other groups toward the end of the 10th round. We'll see. So far, Taiwan has administered more than 14.76 million doses for one-dose coverage of 53.52 percent. With at least three vaccine brands rolling out in October, Taiwan is aiming for the milestone of 60 percent coverage.
25 people were mistakenly injected with too many doses of the Pfizer COVID vaccine in New Taipei. Each person was given five doses instead of one. Hospital staff gave more doses than intended after failing to dilute the vaccine with saline solution. According to the hospital, its staff had mistakenly assumed the vaccines were already diluted because the caps had fallen off the vials. A vaccine overdose can trigger an obvious local or systemic reaction. Pain or redness at the injection site is relatively common. So far, no serious adverse reactions have been seen. After the vaccine is absorbed, there will be a so-called immune response. This immune response may be too strong. Overly strong reactions include myocarditis. This is Taiwan's first reported instance of staff error, resulting in vaccine overdose. New Taipei's health department has sanctioned the hospital responsible, imposing a one-week suspension from the vaccination program. Xinzhou city government is subsidizing pet insurance for citizens who adopt dogs from their city shelter. With lots of dogs waiting for a new home, there's a perennial shortage of adoptive owners. But from October, the free insurance will make adopting a stray a more financially viable option for dog lovers. The first meeting between a child and their new dog. It's a bit scary, but so exciting. The dog jumps for joy, teasing his friend and looking for attention from the shelter employee. There are currently 180 homeless dogs in Xinju's Animal Protection Office shelter. Dog lovers who want to adopt a stray can have them neutered, dewormed and vaccinated for rabies for free. And this year, Xinju city government will even give you a free year of pet insurance. Starting on October 1st, we officially launch a program giving free pet insurance to adoptions of stray dogs from the shelter. It will include financial subsidies for vet visits and medical procedures. The plan gets family discounts for vet visits, hospital stays and medical treatments. There are other payouts too for putting up wanted posters if your dog goes missing, for instance. When a dog is sick, their health is the owner's biggest concern, but money is something else. We will feel more inclined to adopt a pet if the government provides insurance. But not everyone is eligible to adopt a pet. The shelter only accepts applicants over the age of 20 who've completed an adoption training course, an interview, and eligibility checks, as well as a one-week cooling-off period. There are so many stray dogs now. We all want them to find a good home so they can live happily and don't have to wander the streets. The shelter welcomes inquiries from all animal lovers. Now the new insurance offers aims to make it an affordable choice for more families. Well, September 28 is Teacher's Day, as well as the birthday of Confucius. Taiwan temples honor the ancient Chinese educator in grand ceremonies. The annual rituals were scaled back this year due to the ongoing pandemic. But local temples still attracted a crowd of people eager to keep traditions alive. At this Confucius Memorial Ceremony in Ilan, Commissioner Ling Zimiao steps out in ceremonial garb to lead a tribute to the ancient Chinese philosopher. Due to the pandemic, this was a trimmed-down affair without the usual six-row dance, but the sacrificial offering, the presentations, the drums, the bells, and the incense were all still present in accordance to ancient tradition. One officiant at the ceremony especially stood out. 
This was Lu Yongchen, a college student who won a national award for filial piety earlier this year. Due to the pandemic, this year it was a modest yet solemn ceremony. We are deeply grateful to Confucius, a sage among sages, for his contribution to education. He was a paragon of virtue and learning. It was bustling inside the temple. Meanwhile, outside, a long queue formed for a special pastry that's believed to grant wisdom. Due to COVID, everyone in line had to leave their contact information. The first to get a pastry was a woman surnamed Lin, who arrived at 6.30 a.m. after her morning exercise. I feel like after I eat it, I really do get wiser, so I come every year. Over in Taoyuan's Confucius Temple, a similar scene. Although celebrations were scaled back due to COVID, students from Taoyuan Senior High School and Dongmen Elementary School took part in a ceremony to honor Confucius. Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wenshan turned up wearing a ceremonial robe to officiate the rite. This ceremony is about honoring the great sage in the Confucian tradition he represents. I hope these ceremonies will continue in the future. Through this solemn and dignified ceremony, we can learn how to have a steady mind and to be more mindful. At temples across Taiwan, officials pay tribute to the ancient teacher in a tradition that dates back more than 2,000 years. East restrictions for public transport came into effect on Tuesday. Tour buses can now fill all of their seats instead of being limited to 80% capacity. In addition, eating and drinking are allowed once more in the paid areas of the standard railway and high-speed rail systems. When the bento shop opened at 10 on the dot, a crowd had already gathered at the entrance. Starting today, eating and drinking are allowed once more in the paid area of the TRA. I buy it and bring it into the station. It's very convenient being able to bring it in to eat. COVID restrictions have been eased further for the two rail system. Previously, rail patrons could only eat in the non-paid area outside the ticket gate. Now, provided that patrons maintain social distance, they can eat in the paid area. But it's still not allowed in the carriages. Some rail patrons say they routinely travel long distances. They want the TRA to lift the food ban for carriages soon. Others say that carriages are a confined space and that they'd rather people keep masks firmly on. There is some risk involved. I don't think it's appropriate. Me, I personally feel that because it is actually quite a long distance when you travel to Taidong, it takes three or four hours. If all you can do is drink water and you can't eat, then you'll get hungry. This bus transfer station has also lifted the ban on eating and drinking inside its waiting area. Now passengers can grab a quick bite before boarding their bus. Also on Tuesday, COVID regulations eased for tour buses. They were previously capped at 80% capacity. All capacity restrictions are now lifted, although eating and drinking are still not allowed. A group of Hong Kong expatriates and refugees in Taiwan will hold a major protest against Chinese expansionism on China's National Day, October 1st. The demonstration outside the Legislative Yuan in Taipei is planned by the NGO Hong Kong Outlanders. They will protest numerous issues relating to Beijing's totalitarian regime.
Postcards featuring CCP propaganda, a virus with Chinese President Xi Jinping's face, and a Xi face mask. These satirical products will be given out on Friday by the Hong Kong Outlanders to lampoon China's National Day. Supposedly, we're celebrating, but in fact, we're satirizing or ridiculing it. October 1st marks China's 72nd National Day. That evening, the Hong Kong Outlanders will hold a demonstration against Beijing's totalitarianism and expansionism beside the legislative yuan. Group member Sky revealed his unease as he spoke about Hong Kong's predicament. Recently in Hong Kong, trade unions or religious groups have also started to be suppressed. Although this is what is happening in Hong Kong, we should not be limited by the red lines China draws. Beijing has drawn sharp reproaches from many nations in recent years. For controversies such as the Hong Kong Extradition Bill and National Security Bill, the suppression of human rights in Tibet, suspected concentration camps in Xinjiang, as well as many military encroachments on Taiwanese air and sea territory, China's recalcitrance in the face of blowback is stoking more protest. Amid this trend, we in Taiwan and Hong Kong, especially civil society, should make our demands even more loudly and tell China as well as the world that resisting China is a global wave from the grassroots to the national level. The Hong Kong Outlanders hopes to unite several groups on Friday to magnify its protests. The hospitality industry has been on the front line of the COVID-19 pandemic. For many hotels, it's been a death knell. But for those who could convert into quarantine facilities, adversity has been the mother of invention. Let's meet one hotel operator who embraced the need for quarantine hotels early. He now has a chain of specialized COVID-secure hotels across the country. Dai Dongjie dons protective gear and makes a round to check each room in the hotel. He goes over the cleaning implements, supplies and all the plastic coverings to ensure they're perfect. At 38, this quarantine hotel operator is an expert on all things COVID secure. Our guests haven't been back for many years. They may not be familiar with Taiwan anymore. Of course, I have a real sense of achievement when I see guests leaving here having eaten a good meal and had a great night's sleep. I remember one day, it was Thanksgiving. They made us turkey lunch boxes, and they wished me Happy Thanksgiving. I thought it was very thoughtful. The cash shown by Dai staff does not go unremarked by guests. Even months later, they still remember. But making the transition from a small tourist hotel to a quarantine facility was not all plain sailing. We dropped straight from 70% occupancy to 7%. Should I tell the staff who'd followed me for so long to move on? Or should we transition to a model that allowed us to survive? At its peak, the hotel was making annual turnover of up to 60 million NT. Dai never imagined that in his sixth year of business, COVID would turn it all upside down. Bookings plummeted. He was spending 2 million NT a month on covering costs and thought he might have to shut down or lay off workers. But he found a way out of the dilemma. Large sums are invested in hotels. The rent is high too, but right now is a relative 
relatively good moment to get into the market. We don't know how the government policies will change, but what we can do at the moment is apply for quarantine hotel status and protect some of our former or future employees. The prices of hotels have fallen drastically over the last year. Since Dai converted his first location into a quarantine hotel, he has acquired six more venues across Taiwan. He's also partnered with other businesses to operate 12 other hotels. Nobody knows how the pandemic will evolve, but for this hospitality expert, it's the start of a fascinating new adventure. Doctors say more must be done to tackle the hidden problem of anorexia among older adults. For seniors, anorexia can be linked to many other health issues, such as chewing problems. But giving up on food also exacerbates health conditions causing muscle wastage and undernutrition. Helping older adults get access to an appropriate diet can help stop appetites from wasting away. I don't have an appetite and I'm getting old. My organ circulation isn't great, so I don't want to eat. Many older people feel their appetites wane as the years get on. For some, it gets hard to eat at all. But a failing appetite is not to be underestimated. Anorexia of aging can easily contribute to undernutrition, muscle wastage, insomnia, and in severe cases, dementia. We have to tenderize or pulverize meat to soften it, or we can also stew or steam it. Moreover, protein is what older adults are lacking, and calories, and also vegetables. To increase fiber intake, we can blend them in a drink. Difficulty swallowing can also be a major cause of anorexia in old age. For older people, you need to be especially careful when, for example, they cough when they're eating, or after eating you talk to them and they're always getting phlegm in their throat. Because when food gets in the windpipe, it makes phlegm come up. According to a survey by the John Tang Foundation, 21% of those aged 65 and over choke while eating at least three times a week. 51% of residents in elder care homes experience difficulties chewing. Doctors say that more must be done to prevent anorexia of aging and help older citizens maintain a healthy appetite.